Unless you get your news from less than official sources, you may have missed the Russiagate died this week. And I don't care what you think about Trump. Russiagate was really something. And we've got to dig into that this week. But first, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had an opportunity to catch up. So let's see how things are going. So we're going to begin tonight with the rough road to recovery for America's economy. Inflation, which essentially means high costs and lower buying power, continued to surge last month, with prices rising at the fastest pace in more than 30 years. Now, this seemed entirely predictable. In fact, I think it was predicted on this show that if we shut down the supply chain around the world, if the entire world does China-style lockdowns, There's going to be ramifications that will be so expensive. It's a domino effect. And we are just, just beginning to realize the hell that we have created for ourselves with these lockdowns. And now here we are, November 11th, 2021, and I'm going to say it. I don't think they made a huge difference. I don't believe they made a huge difference. I think at best what we got from the lockdowns is we kept people out of the hospitals Maybe. But now I'm not even convinced of that. I'm not even convinced that was even that high of a priority because we're firing nurses. We're firing EMTs. So I'm not actually even convinced anymore that that was worth it because actions speak louder than words. And now our economy around the world, not just in the United States, is all kinds of messed up. It comes as companies struggle with a logjam supply chain and a nationwide labor shortage. The Labor Department's Consumer Price Index jumped more than 6% in October from last year. It was the fifth straight month in which inflation surged more than 5% year over year. Americans are now paying more for shelter, food, fuel, medical care, cars and trucks, and many other goods and services. Inflation is now outpacing cost of increase in living, so say, on average, because of uh, people uh, looking to hire, you know, organizations motivated to fill positions and whatnot. Wages have gone up, you know, they've gone up, but inflation's gone up higher. Americans are getting squeezed. Drivers now face gas prices nearly 50% higher than last year, roughly $1.30 more per gallon. It's not just the gas. New car prices are up over 9%. Used cars, some 26%. And in the grocery store, prices for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs have risen more than 11%. Steak soared 24%. Bacon up 20%. All this as average hourly wages have actually fallen. We have enormous problems with our supply chain. And when you put rising demand and constrained supply together, you get inflation at a pace that we have not seen in three decades. And even if you're paying more for a new position, hours are being cut back, which is what I think this report's touching on. And if hours are getting cut back, it doesn't really matter if you got a raise. Shortages of materials and choke points in the supply chain could make for a pricier holiday shopping season. And keeping warm will cost more, too. Higher fuel costs are expected to mean that nearly half of U.S. households who heat with natural gas will pay 30 percent more this year. Almost every part of the Thanksgiving, holiday season, Christmas, Hanukkah, everything is going to be more expensive. And propane is going up more than natural gas. It's even worse for those of us who heat our homes with propane. This is the stuff that really hurts the middle class. This is the stuff that devastates the middle class. This is also the stuff that makes you lose elections. You've probably noticed that your money isn't going as far as it used to. Even MSNBC, here's Joy Reid. 
they're changing their tune about this Biden economy. With higher prices on gas, food and your energy bill. That would be inflation. And today, the Labor Department announced that it's at its highest level in 30 years. And, you know, I'm actually pretty comfortable putting a lot of this on Joe Biden. I'm pretty comfortable putting most of this on Joe Biden right now because it was their policies that made this so much worse. And it was policies that their party advocated, even while Trump was in office, that hurt the economy so badly. And, you know, I've got two neighbors who have got it right now. They're just getting over it. My mom just got over COVID. I personally know more people who are sick than I have during this entire thing so far. And what really is sort of spitting in our face is Joe Biden is up on stage attempting to spin this as a positive thing, if he could get the words out. And the irony is people have more money now because of the first major piece of legislation I passed. Y'all got checks for $1,400. You You catch that? Because of the session that he passed, which I never got a dollar of, by the way. I love that one, too. Oh, man. I love it when they're talking about how much money we have in our pockets now because of the great deal he gave us with his previous legislation. Any major piece of legislation I passed. Y'all got checks for $1,400. You got checks for a whole range of things. Oh, you got a whole range. What do you want more? What do you want more? Because guess what? The Biden White House has no other plans to solve this problem. They've put the ports to 24 hours as if there's even enough truckers to receive that stuff. And they're good to go because they cut you your check. What What do you want more? Well, finally, finally, the press asks the White House, I guess, substitute press secretary because Jen Psaki got COVID, even though she's fully vaccinated. So the substitute press secretary has been standing in for Jen. And the media just asked, finally, somebody who's not Fox News, what are you doing? Follow up on one on inflation in the supply chain. Um, You mentioned at the top that unemployment's down, wages are up, and that's a testament to the progress that President Biden has made on the economy. But there's no mention of inflation in that. And while wages... And let's let's back. Let's break this down. This is going to be a long clip. I ask you to stick with this because you need to hear their weasel words here. So unemployment is down because jobs came back. They're not new jobs. They were jobs. They were artificially put on pause. They were jobs that were temporarily frozen in time, right? They're Han Solo and they were frozen in time. That's these. And now these jobs are thawing slowly. So to, to, to kind of, to even kind of, even just to kind of pitch it as well, you know, Joe Biden has created all these jobs. Eh. They're sort of de-thawing jobs. They're, they're resuming jobs. They're, they were jobs that were there. It's just people can go back to work slowly, very slowly. Biden has made on the economy, but there's no mention of inflation in that. And while wages are up almost 4.5%, inflation is up 5%. So any bump in pay that people are seeing in their paycheck is getting wiped out when they're going to the store and paying more for everything. So what do you say to people who are looking at their budget and they're saying this doesn't feel like progress under President Biden, it feels like a pay cut? In fact, I'll add, the problem is still getting worse. It's not like we've capped off at 5% with the inflation. It's not done. The problem is continuing. So not only do they not have a plan to address it, which you'll hear in her answer, but they don't even have a plan to get their arms around what's happened now. So this is just really going to get bad. 
So let, let me first say this, and I said this earlier, the president, he knows how even a small uh, price increase really uh, can squeeze too many families. Like that is something that he's aware of. Yeah, the big man is quite aware of how to squeeze money out of families. Um, and so we're working on a wide variety of economic programs to help, right, which is why the Build Back Better plan uh, to work out to work on our supply cha- chain issues is incredibly important. Yeah, this is always the go-to answer. It's Well, you see, if, if they would just pass our Build Back Better plan, then we could go spend a trillion dollars and fix the problem. Just like setting the ports to run 24-7, Solved the problem, right, guys? Wait, what's that? I'm sorry, there's no truckers to actually pick up the and haul the, so it didn't solve any. Oh. Uh, we're using every tool at our disposal uh, to lower prices for working people and bring economic relief, right? If you think about uh, the human infrastructure, the Build Back Better plan, we're talking about prescription drugs. We're t- Let's talk about this, too. The, the Build Back Better plan, the uh, human infrastructure they want to invest in. What would be kind of an ideal outcome in terms of when that stuff would actually be impacting the market? It's a government program. You know, it's got to go through. The politicians got to play their games. Then you got to staff it up. So, I mean, absolute best case scenario is maybe within 12 months, you start seeing some of the very first returns in the economy. But it probably takes, what, three, four, five years, really, before you would start to see, like, the benefits of more available chargers for EVs um, would probably take quite a while before you'd have the capacity to start offering the childcare that's in the Build Back Better plan. So it's going to be a while before that, you know, at least a year before that. So these these things, even if they were passed, this trillion dollars, which has been getting cut down, you know, was like last week one point two trillion. Now this week it's a trillion dollars. But this trillion dollars they're talking about spending. They'd have to spend that about now. They'd start spending it about now when we're kind of really at our worst. And we wouldn't see the benefits for at least a year. Now, it's not necessarily a bad idea to make investments that don't pay off for a while. But we have an urgent, immediate, day-to-day problem right now. Talking about paid leave, sick leave, medical leave. We're talking about community costs. We're talking about things that's really going to give uh, that uh, that economic relief, uh, that middle-class tax cut uh, for everyday people. So we're going to continue to do that work. See, the problem is, is if the spending causes even more inflation, which we're talking right now in total, uh, in the last 12 months, we're talking about spending $7 trillion. If you look up at all the relief packages and the spending they want to pass now. Seems like a pretty good chance printing $7 trillion could increase inflation. If you increase inflation, you are essentially taxing the people. It's not called a tax, but you are taxing the people by increasing inflation, which it would seem like these moves would do. Anyways, I'm going to let this go because she keeps on going for a bit, and I'd like us to... Well, I want to break it down, I guess, but I want us to kind of hear their thinking. The American Rescue Plan actually helped... Uh, the American public a lot. It did. It put checks in people's pockets. Ah, so this is the, well, we already did stuff for you part. So part of the, it's a two-part answer. Well, if you'd pass our legislation, there's a whole bunch of stuff we want to do for you. Some of that's probably going to help. That's answer one. That's what we just got. And now answer two is, and by the way, didn't we just give you some money? 
didn't we just do stuff for you? I talked about the child tax credit. Uh, I talked about the child care components in it. There was a lot there that gave some relief, uh, that, that gave some relief uh, to to Americans here. And so the Build Back Better plan uh, is is just a, an extension of that, if you will. It's a, it's just to invest that long term uh, investment to make sure that uh, people feel that relief. Look, even there, she acknowledges it's a long term thing, and of course. I'm thinking things like release oil from the strategic reserve, uh, increase production in the United States, maybe make a, make a two-year plan to increase production for two years and then wrap it up in transition, right? Do things now. Like, don't shut, they're, they're considering shutting down another oil pipeline. These are all things that can be done. Maybe we don't do it right now when we are in just a shit storm of events that are smashing our economy. I highlighted those in the last episode if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about. Now is not the time to take further steps to mess with that mix. It's it's actually a lot more precarious than I think the most people realize. We were in a very different place a year ago. Uh, not to say that some people are not still feeling the squeeze. Totally understand that. Um, but, uh, you know, a year ago, we were, people were getting sick. They were losing their jobs. Uh, you know, women were leaving the workforce. And so we've been able to turn things around, start the economy back up uh, again. 600,000 jobs uh, a month, nearly 5 million uh, jobs in the first eight months. That matters. Now we just have to continue doing the work. It's going to to take time, we're not done. Quickly on the supply chain, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Christmas presents not arriving on time, but the issue is more severe and critical than that. I mean, it's affecting small businesses. Auto body shops can't get parts to fix cars, so they can't make money. 90% of school nutrition programs say they're worried about continued supply chain issues. According to a school nutrition association survey, some schools are making last minute grocery store trips just to feed the, their students. So if this is an issue that the White House has been working on and aware of since February. Why does it seem like this is a problem that is getting worse, not better? I would I would say this. Um, when it comes to the supply chain, uh, you know, it's it's a there are complexities there. Um, when you think about, um, you, you know, the when we learn about the the global supply chain as well, right? Those are so th that's one thing that you kind of have to put it in the in the big in the bigger the bigger picture. Nothing we can do. It's the global supply chain. There's nothing we can do about it. And I read yesterday that there's concerns of an insulin shortage now. And my wife is a type 1 diabetic. She can't make it a day without insulin. We are really entering in some very dangerous territory. I also got an email from a listener who said that uh, his doctor has had to put him on an extended prescription program for his ADHD medication. Uh, and he, in particular, takes ADHD medication for narcolepsy, which I didn't actually even know was a thing until I got an email from him. And it's pretty bad. It means there's certain days of the week where he can't go anywhere. He can't leave the house now because he can't take his medication that day. That concerns me. That's what I'm talking about here. And I think what we have is we have a president asleep at the wheel and an administration that's being run by committee. Because these are the kinds of things when somebody's trying to defend their poll numbers, when somebody is concerned about their numbers and concerned about reelection, and it has a lot of downsides in American politics. But the upshot is they tend to try to get on top of stuff like this and they try to make things work. 
They try to make a big production out of it, too. I mean, it's obnoxious, but it results in action sometimes. And you can hear it from the man himself. When he can get a coherent sentence out, he makes it clear he doesn't understand why everyone's upset. You should be satisfied at this point. With my American Rescue Plan, and thank you and the Congress for supporting it, everybody kind of forgets that was $1.9 billion, trillion dollars. Uh, you know, and the numbers, they don't matter. In fact, he messes up the numbers for this entire clip. It's, it's pretty alarming. But, you know, the numbers don't matter. It, everybody kind of forgets that was $1.9 billion, trillion dollars. We got a hell of a heck of a lot done with that. That it did so well, people don't even know where it came from. Not a joke. Oh, I'm serious. It's Think not a about joke. it. No, it's not a joke. Like, what'd you do for me lately? Well, we had $1.9 billion we took care of. Oh, it's so funny. And then he got the number wrong there and he had to be corrected. It's so funny. Everybody's having a good laugh about it. Like, what? These Americans, they're so lazy. They just want so much. Like, what'd you do for me lately? Well, we had $1.9 billion we took care of. Well, we made historic investments in community policing and violence intervention programs. And we're shown to reduce some of these programs, reduce violence by 60%. Oh, so hiring cops, huh? Now, even though he can't seem to keep the numbers straight, he wants the American people to believe that spending a trillion dollars isn't going to cost us a thing. You can trust Joe. He can't even keep the numbers straight. And that's what this is all about. And it does not increase the debt. When you talk about the number, we shouldn't even talk about the numbers. Don't even talk because about it. Because it's all paid for, written in the same piece of legislation. So you pass the spending, you're also passing the tax cuts and you're passing the taxes are going to be increased. Yeah, just don't worry about inflation. Don't worry about that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that clip. It's funny, every time a politician says, don't worry about the number, it's not going to cost you a thing. I can't think of a single time that ever worked out to be true. Maybe this will be the time, though. But you got nothing from Joe. He doesn't understand why you're not satisfied. He's done everything he can do. The White House press secretary, well, it's a global supply chain. There's nothing we could do locally to start increasing production of anything. Nothing could be done. There's no investments. You know, the White House couldn't be launching some kind of investment program to help hire truckers. That couldn't be done. We couldn't have some sort of program that increases the shipping capacity. No, we couldn't do that. We couldn't start creating new types of incentives for manufacturing here in the United States. And Biden could become the president that brought domestic manufacturing back home. Can't do that. In fact, if you even suggest something like, let's go back to the oil production levels here in the United States that we had two years ago during Donald Trump, Biden's energy secretary will actually laugh in your face. In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this, as you know. Everybody's laughing. It's funny to all these rich motherfuckers, isn't it? Oh, it's funny. It's really funny to them. Oh, ho, ho. let's have a good laugh about this. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC. And they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. Shouldn't that be our signal to ramp back up local production? 
Help me understand this. Why are they doing nothing to help us? They're laughing at us. And what they do offer is imaginary possible benefits long term. I struggle to I struggle to feel anything but absolute content for this administration. They are completely screwing us. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something I've missed. Unfilter.show slash contact, unfilter.show slash discord. And if you like what I do, patreon.com slash unfilter. Support the show. done there's no question about that he's done breaking news a bombshell today is a turning point today was historically bad for president trump today was a turning point turning point we're at a turning point here the beginning of the end for the trump presidency the beginning of the end and breaking news we have another bombshell mike pence might have to assume the office of the presidency the call for impeachment rumblings of the word impeachment breaking news another bombshell out of the white house i believe this is the beginning of the end i do too it's really the beginning of the end the beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. The beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? This is unbelievable. This is remarkable. Have you ever seen anything like this his presidency is crippled December 1st 2017 you can mark it down this is the day that everything changed we begin with the bombshell the beginning of the end 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 in fact if this were a football game we're in the third quarter may even be the beginning of the end we begin tonight with the bombshell Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble Trump is in trouble the president will resign another hour another bombshell this is a tipping point Trump's going down this president could be impeached. I do not think the president will serve out his term. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way, no how. Breaking news. Absolute bombshell. I think Donald Trump is in trouble. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the Achilles heel. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight, the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today, the biggest 
tipping point for the Trump administration. What a historic day. The bombshells, uh, they fell. It's entropy and it's crumbling internally. He's underwater. He feels the walls closing in. Could his testimony be a turning point? We may be at a tipping point. It's the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is a bombshell. It is a bombshell. I am beginning to resent the word bombshell. I do whine because I want to win. And I know you believe me when I tell you that's not even all of it. That's just from 2016 to 2018. (laughs) That's not even what went down in 2019 and, of course, during the election. So why did I play you all of that? Because I, I don't know how else to remind you about the scope of just absolute blast they put this Russia stuff on. And it really, I think, messed with a lot of our heads. And we saw the media cooperate with the intelligence agencies in a way that I think completely undermines their credibility. So to bring you up to date on what's going on right now. Um, We're also following some breaking news this morning, everybody, from the Justice Department, a senior DOJ official confirming to NBC News that an analyst who was a key source for the Steele dossier was arrested this morning. That dossier contained allegations about former president uh, Donald Trump. It is coming in connection with special counsel John Durham's probe into Russian interference in the presidential election. NBC's Kendallanian has more on this. Now, Durham's name might ring a bell. We talked about him a little bit on the show. I told you this would be coming. I thought it'd be coming earlier than now, but here we are. This is the second person arrested. Now, this guy was the primary source for the Steele dossier. The Steele dossier was some of the early material that was put together by Steele, who was hired by a law firm that was paid by the Clinton campaign. And the idea was to kind of create a document of salacious information about Donald Trump's ties to the Russians. Steele hired this Igor Deshenko, or however you say his name, who has just been charged because he just lied. He just lied. Gave, Steele could say, oh, yeah, I got information from a Russian, but the Russian source lied. He just straight up lied. He completely lied. And that's why he's been arrested now. Uh, it's, you know what? I'm doing a bad job explaining it. Shep and team do a slightly better job. I'll play their clip. <laughs> it's just it, essentially the primary source turned out to be completely bogus. Special counsel John Durham's probe of the Russia investigation has netted another arrest. Igor Danchenko is accused of lying to the FBI and he's facing felony charges. He's a researcher who was a key source of salacious rumors and claims about Donald Trump in the infamous Steele dossier. Not a key source. The key source. That dossier helped fuel the FBI's investigation into suspected ties between the Trump campaign and Russia. This video of Danchenko leaving the federal courthouse earlier this evening after he made his first appearance before a judge. In 2019, the Trump Justice Department launched the Durham probe to look into the origins of the Russia investigation. The Biden administration allowed the investigation to continue after it took over. With the details... Here's NBC News investigative correspondent Tom Winter. Tom doesn't really add much to it. He basically just says everything Shep just said. It's funny how they do that. This is huge because, you know, quite frankly, it was it was rather obvious. I'm not even particularly proud of the fact that I called this before the election was over for Trump early on, like before the election had even happened, before election night. We said here on this show, 
Clinton campaign is cooking something up with Russia. There's a lot of Russia stuff. Russia, Russia, Russia. And then as it was laid out, this show never wavered from the position that it was bogus. It was crap. Now, two of the key sources for this whole thing have been arrested. One who was involved with the trying to create a fake money link. And now this guy, Dushenko, who is the primary source for the dossier. And during all of this, I think you'll remember how hard it was to watch Sheriff Woody, a.k.a. Adam Schiff, go around screaming Russia, Russia about everything. Anything that happened, it was Russia this, Russia that. Adam Schiff should never be taken seriously again. He clearly was using this as a political weapon. And I think perhaps the thing, the thing that made me realize there'll never be a political party for me in this country was watching how the Republicans got rolled by Trump and now watching how gutless and headless they are without him. But watching them get rolled by Trump and watching how the Democrats responded to the Trump victory and the way they went all in with this Russia stuff and the way the media went all in and how Adam Schiff played such a key role. He kept leaking information to different outlets and then they could say, well, official in the government tells us and they'd never actually have to name him. And then they'd have Adam Schiff come on to talk about it when he was the one that supplied them with the information in the first place. And no one has said anything to him about this. He went around for years doing this, and no one has said anything until he finally went on The View. Yeah, that crappy morning show with those old ladies. He went on The View, and they had a sit-in guest host who I think used to be in Trump's State Department. And she, she really gave it to him. She, She's not a trained professional. She's not a show host. She's... She's from the State Department, and, and yet she masterfully got him. And i got to play this for you. You've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee, and you defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? And think about the role he had as the head of the Intel Committee and the way he weaponized that information. How broken is this system? And all of this was fake? You're telling me that all of our intelligence agencies, the IRS has an intelligence agency, the Department of Homeland Security has an intelligence agency, the Army has an intelligence agency, the Navy has an intelligence agency, the NSA, the CIA etc 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 none of them could suss this out yet somehow people on the internet could figure it out before it even landed it just it doesn't make any sense so she finally she finally asked him what about your role because he traumatized the american people for at least 3 to 4 years he, we were traumatized by this and we completely lost faith in our institutions which has completely screwed us in this COVID era now. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? Well, first of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. uh, and they are. 
Think about that for a second. Adam Schiff has been using these people for years since the moment the Trump since the moment the Trump presidency began and even a little before actually. They've taken advantage of these people. They knew they were they knew they knew it was crap. They knew it. And they took advantage of these people. They took the information. They and they've always planned for these guys to be the fall guys. This guy sat at the head of the intelligence committee and he leaked information selectively to the press to attack the sitting president of the United States. And the people that he's going after now are the people he used to get that information for those political attacks. This is the kind of man Adam Schiff is. He's now throwing those people who did his dirty work under the bus. He claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? Well, first of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted. Uh, and they are. Uh, and unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Uh, so now what's great about this is the people who got convicted were convicted for lying to the FBI. It was all a political attack. The whole thing was political. The FBI was used as a political weapon to take out some of Trump's allies. And to make him look bad, of course. So when Trump just sort of said, screw you, and just pardon these people, which you could argue with or not, but you could see why Trump would do it from this political dynamic, he can now use that as sort of a way to damn the Trump administration for no one ever being held accountable. Even though these people were all just, again, victims of Schiff and others' political witch hunt to go after a political outsider who just doesn't really think the way they think. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable, really. Well, first of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted. Uh, and they are. Uh, and unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Uh, so Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, if people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Now, does that mean that if Adam Schiff lied, he's going to go to jail? <laughs> no, of course not. Um, but at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to investigate them. We couldn't have known. This is the nice little thing about, about a political campaign, in this case Hillary's campaign, using a law firm to hire a former, M M what is it, M I M5? No, that's the Star Trek computer. But a former British intelligence agent, there's like these nice layers of abstraction at each one of these steps. So Adam here can can pretend like he never knew, even though he was clearly a key part of this political strategy. And he's always been extremely loyal to the Clintons. You can go back and see when there was Benghazi hearings. He was extremely, extremely loyal to Hillary back then. He's always been a he's always been a good boy that way. So he's always known. He's a, you know, he's a good boy. Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, if people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Um, but at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to investigate them. And let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving internal polling data, campaign polling data, to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump and campaign. And to be clear, he was fired halfway through the campaign. 
And, you know, it's like, okay, sure. But we also learned that the Bidens are selling access to Joe Biden. And we've learned what a wreck Hunter is. Like, okay, well, so, so but one matters and one doesn't. It seems like there's some political corruption there with Hunter selling access to his father, to the big man. But that doesn't matter. Right. You see how how Schiff is. It's not really about morality with Schiff. Right. Because if it was, that would matter. <laughs> it's not about morality at all. But he he pretends like it is. You know, we have the we have the duty to do these investigations. This is wrong. This potential corruption. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving internal polling data, campaign polling data, to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump campaign. And to be clear, he was fired halfway through the campaign. Well, he may have been fired, but the the effort to get Russian help continued and even beyond the effort to get Russian help. But you may have spread Russian disinformation yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. You know, I just want to pause there for a second. There's so much about misinformation these days. And it's often from the very sources that we're cramming this phony Russia crap down our throats. They're often the ones screaming about misinformation. This whole Russiagate thing is an opportunity for you to see it all. So I I invite you to go do some further reading after the show. I will have some links in the show notes, but there's a lot out there. It puts it all out on display for you. The entire thing. The very people who are going after Facebook right now and screaming about misinformation and about the damage to our democracy were the very people that spread this misinformation on blast and undermined a sitting president. You have to wonder if it wasn't three years of the media freaking us all out about Russia, would the election have gone a different direction? Would people have had more faith in the federal government? I mean, I, I wonder. ...data to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump campaign. And to be clear, he was fired halfway through the campaign. Well, he may have been fired. Yeah. But the, the effort to get Russian help continued and even beyond the effort to get Russian help. But you the may president have spread Russian disinformation get... yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. Well, I, I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, It's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele, which is impossible, of course, to do. But but let's not use that as a smokescreen to somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, Mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an insurrection, insurrection, which he did, um, no. You do wonder, would, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to defend Trump here, but just game this out a little bit. Remove the three years of Russiagate and the constant attacks that he was under in regards to that. Does he then contact the Ukraine sitting, uh, was he president? I don't know. Does he then contact them and ask for dirt on Joe Biden? Does he still feel the need to have this rally down in D.C.? Um, plus, also, he's saying things here that haven't actually been proven. But I just find this entire line like it's kind of it's kind of hard to go down this route because the man was pushed to the breaking point by the sustained attack that was in large part directed by Adam Schiff, right? And now then he turns around 
and he attacks him for how he behaved while he was being attacked. A total total political outsider, right? Not a super bright fellow either. Just somebody who wanted to come in and be the president and be real important for a while and president the best so other people would think he was great and talk about how great Donald Trump was and have his family set for generations. Like, you know, all these little selfish, probably egomaniac reasons that he took the presidency, right? He wasn't, he's not a DC creature like, like Schiff is and like the Clintons are. And, and now Adam is able to turn that around on him and it's, uh, I mean, it's clever, it's, it's probably been planned from the beginning, right? I would imagine this was always the escape hatch. They, they, always, they always had this defense lined up that, well, we had to investigate. ...for inviting Russia to help them in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an erection, insurrection, which he did. Um, none of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is in any way diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele. No, I think just your credibility is. Well, I think the credibility of your question, credibility of your question uh, is in doubt. <laughs> he didn't really get that out too well, did he? Let's play that last part again, because that was so great. She nailed him, and you know, this whole time he's shaken, but she really got him there at the end. And she stays like a rock the entire time. In fact, I recommend you go watch this on YouTube, because it's impressive what a rock she stays. Now, I want to play this end for you again. Did for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an erection, insurrection, which he did. Um, none of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is in any way diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele. No, I think just your credibility is. Well, I think the credib- your question, <laughs> credibility of your question yeah. uh, is in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> that felt good, i got to be honest with you. But, you know, the other person who made a lot of hay out of this Russiagate stuff, you know who it is, besides the obvious, is the political people, it's Rachel Meadow. She became a star. She became the star of MSNBC with Russiagate. And now she's doubling down, and it's awkward. Today, the special counsel that was appointed during the Trump administration, the prosecutor tasked by Trump's attorney general, Bill Barr, with investigating the Russia investigation itself to try to prove the whole thing was a hoax, like Trump said all along, to try to prove that it was criminal to investigate the Russia matter. Uh, That special prosecutor, John Durham, has just issued his second indictment. And what she starts, so she starts the segment out here by politicizing the Justice Department right off the top. Which, if you think about the damage that does to her viewers' perception of the justice system, right? People who have bought into this and watched the, the Russiagate cheerleader Rachel Meadow cover this, they now will go forward doubting the legitimacy of this forever. <laughs> That's what she's doing. She's sowing doubt and, and she's essentially connecting the dots that this is a political hit job. And then she kind of continues that direction. Listen carefully with that in mind. Today, the special counsel that was appointed during the Trump administration, the prosecutor tasked by Trump's attorney general, Bill Barr, with investigating the Russia investigation itself to try to prove the whole thing was a hoax, like Trump said all along, to try to prove that it was criminal to investigate the Russia matter. Uh, That special prosecutor, John Durham, has just issued his second indictment, and the man he arrested and charged today was a primary source for Christopher Steele's intelligence reports in 2016. Now, Durham's most recent indictment before this one was, um, in my opinion, a little weird. Now, notice how she's so confused. 
it seems so odd. Like before, when it was investigating the Russia connections, every little thing was, every little dot was being connected. Anything that was implied was was uh, assumed to be true. I mean, there was they just assumed they just started at a position of everything about this Russia stuff is true, and they just went with anything. But now she's reading through court filings and she's finding this confusing and hard to understand. It doesn't seem quite right. Problematic. That one concerned a Democratic lawyer and cybersecurity expert who was in possession of research that purported to show a possible surreptitious communication channel between the Trump organization and a Kremlin-linked Russian bank. Uh, Special counsel John Durham charged this lawyer um, with making a false statement because when he brought this evidence to the FBI, he allegedly was inconsistent in his statements to them about whether he was bringing this information to the FBI on his own behalf or on behalf of his firm's Democratic clients or another client that he was that he had working. Those uh, Democratic clients would happen to be the Hillary campaign. So that might be why that matters during an election year. But I guess Rachel just didn't know that detail. Right. So the problem here is that Sussman lied about why he was talking to the FBI. The son of a bitch was hired to go in there and and create a stink about a phony connection between the Trump campaign and a Russian bank account. But he was lying. He was hired by a PR firm working for the Clinton campaign. That matters. But Rachel, she just she doesn't quite seem to understand some some Democrat somewhere. He allegedly was inconsistent in his statements to them about whether he was bringing this information to the FBI on his own behalf or on behalf of his firm's Democratic clients or another client that he was that he had work that he was working for. Everybody at the FBI knew this lawyer and knew exactly who his clients were and who his firm was working for. It was not like a secret that he had those associations with nefarious Democrats. Everybody knew it was Hillary Clinton. But that indictment from John Durham does its best to turn that into a scandal, that someone with gasp ties to Democrats brought information about Trump and Russia to the FBI. So here she's saying that Durham's indictment is attempting to create political drama, again, implying that he's a political operative, which is completely undermining his legitimacy to her audience. Also, she's saying Democratic operatives when the very screenshots up on her screen as she's talking about this have Hillary Clinton's name on them. So it's not like she doesn't know. It's pretty hilarious. And yeah, it is a huge scandal if the Trump and Hillary were, were they, uh, what is it? They were uh, competing. They were running against each other. I don't know the right word, but they were two political opponents. And one of those political opponents hired a law firm and a PR firm to create absolute bullshit. And then they tried to ram that through the FBI and into the justice system. That is the definition of a fucking scandal. But she she doesn't understand it. How could this be a scandal? Clients or another client that he was that he had work that he was working for. Everybody at the FBI knew this lawyer and knew exactly who his clients were and who his firm was working for. It was not like a secret that he had those associations with nefarious Democrats. But that indictment from John Durham does its best to turn that into a scandal that someone with gasp ties to Democrats brought information about Trump and Russia to the FBI. And the indictment in that case spins pages and pages and pages of unsupported allegations. She ran pages and pages and pages of unsupported allegations hot off the Internet from the Steele dossier and all, all kinds of places. These, again, are court documents. <laughs> These are court documents in the United States District Court of Columbia. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> and she, like, she just pretends like there's some random documents. Backed with sort of cherry-picked quotes to try to paint the alleged communication channel between the Trump organization and that Russian bank as a big smear campaign that was known to be false, but was nevertheless deliberately cooked up by the Clinton campaign to you know, bamboozle the FBI and make Trump look bad. That is exactly what happened. And she's mocking it. Like, that's just ridiculous. The whole the Clinton campaign would never do something like that. But she knows that's what happened. But she mocks it either, either anyways because she has nowhere else to go with this because she built her entire reputation on this thing. The FBI spent millions of dollars investigating this stuff. Look bad. And that, of course, neatly tracks with and supports Trump's insistence that everything Russia related was a hoax by the deep state and the Democrats. So that was the last indictment from John Durham last month. Today's indictment against this primary source and researcher for Christopher Steele's intelligence reports, this is about false statements the source allegedly made to those FBI agents working under Peter Strzok who were trying to track down the veracity of Steele's reporting back in 2016 and 2017. The guy who was charged today is named Igor Denchenko. He appeared in federal court in Virginia today. He was charged with five counts of making false statements to the FBI about his own sources for certain things that made it into Steele's reporting. And whether Mr. Denchenko did lie to the FBI in those interviews will now be a matter for the courts. But it is also worth noting that this new indictment, just like the last one, spends comparatively little time talking about these alleged false statements and a lot of time talking about people Igor Denchenko came in contact with or talked to who are, horror of horrors, Democrats. Well, specifically, the chairman of Bill Clinton's 92 and 96 presidential campaign and specifically an advisor to Hillary Clinton during her campaign. So it kind of matters because it kind of shows that a political operative was using the FBI to attack another political operative. And the FBI kind of went along right with it. Kind of is a huge scandal. And Jim Jordan, the blowhard that he is, points out some of this. Well, I think it's important to understand this indictment and the one that happened uh, a few weeks back with Mr. Zussman. Both of these are not about these individuals lying to John Durham and his investigative team. They're about the original lies they told back in 2016 and 2017 to the FBI that started this charade that was the Trump-Russia investigation. So Durham is going to the source when it all began. And both of these individuals, Zussman and Danchenko, have ties to the Clinton campaign. So I think it's interesting. You know, it was all it was President Trump who was working with Russia. That was baloney. But in fact, it was the Clinton campaign who was cozying up to Russia and people who had influence with Russia. That, to me, is the irony of all this. So it is a bit ironic. I think the the real harm was in how Russia was used as um, like a way to just dismiss anything. Oh, yeah, well, that was bots. Those were Russian bots that voted that way. Or when Hunter Biden's laptop emails came out, oh, that's Russian disinformation. I mean, even as recently as that. We were still going with it. And I don't really understand why, unless people wanted this tool. Because it was obvious back in 2016 that this thing was bogus. In fact, the former director of national intelligence points out that the Russia investigation should have just been shut down in 2016. At Hillary Clinton, we had specific intelligence that Hillary Clinton was creating a plan to vilify Donald Trump, to falsely accuse him of ties to Russia, and the intelligence community and the FBI knew this, and President Obama, Vice President Biden were briefed by 
John Brennan and James Clapper and Jim Comey in early August of 2016. And John Solomon's earlier point was right. It all should have stopped at that point. Everything related to the Steele dossier was known to be untrue, but yet it was the predicate for moving forward with an unjust, unfair, and ultimately now everyone accepts a criminal, uh, criminally negligent investigation against uh, the Trump campaign. It was a crime to investigate yep. Donald Trump because there was no probable cause, as FBI Director uh, Christopher Ray has admitted under oath. There was no probable cause for right. those FISA applications. So, it, yeah, that's it right there. It's the FISA applications. That was, that again, this was used to get FISA applications, and that's horrible. To investigate yep. Donald Trump because there was no probable cause, as FBI Director uh, Christopher Ray has admitted under oath. There was no probable cause for right. those FISA applications because they used the Steele dossier yeah. and it was phone and it was phone. Yeah. And, you know, there's never going to be a correction or an admission or a, a kind of like mass reckoning. Those involved are just doubling down harder. You know, MSNBC and Rachel Meadow are doubling down. She brought on Peter Strzok. You remember Peter Strzok, right? He was that FBI agent who, uh, was having an affair and texting about making sure, tr having an insurance policy, making sure that Trump would never become president. You know that guy? Well, that's who Rachel brings on now because none of these people have been discredited as far as they're concerned. As far as the mainstream media, the legacy media is concerned, Adam Schiff, still totally legitimate. Peter Strzok, still totally legitimate. He comes on and he just doubles down. Now compare that to Robert Mueller, who lasted less than two years and in that time charged and convicted people like Trump's national security advisor. Strzok comes on and tries to make the argument like, look, but Trump had three guys arrested. We've only had two guys arrested. I'm not even shitting you. That's his defense. I'm not even kidding. And that's, you know, like, OK, that's how you want to go with this. So, we could, yeah, like, so look, if you look at it, we've had two guys arrested about information and lying. But Trump had three. Now compare that to Robert Mueller, who lasted less than two years and in that time charged and convicted people like Trump's national security advisor, his campaign manager, his deputy campaign manager, his personal attorney. His, uh, you know, personal you know, Roger Stone, personal fixer and a large number of very significant people that were key and critical to the Trump campaign and later to the administration. I don't really feel like there's a moral equivalency between being kind of like a shitty person and lying when you're under a political attack. I don't feel like there's a moral, moral equivalency between that and weaponizing the FBI undermining a presidency and doing massive damage to another nation, our relationship with another nation who has weapons of mass destruction. Like, there's no moral equivalency there. Like, yeah, they lied to the FBI and yeah, they're probably all kind of shithead characters. But like, I would say this is like, again, let's take Trump out of it. Reframe this. I would say there is no moral equivalency between the Biden family paying for getting people to pay for access to Joe and weaponizing the FBI, the DOJ, undermining a presidency and destroying a relationship that was possibly going to be a lot better with Trump because he was open to improving that. Think about the difference there. Like one is so much worse. And they're trying to make the equivalency there. It's incredible. It's arrogant. And I actually think there is a lesson for all of us to take with this. And Glenn Greenwald, he nailed it. I was, this is essentially, I was going to say something like this, but I think Glenn says it better than I could.
surprise, surprise. And it's very similar to what happened in after 9-11 is if you convince enough people that everything that matters is endangered, right? The way obviously after 9-11, a lot of people, including myself and other people were convinced was the case, you're willing to place your faith in authorities in exchange for being protected. And so many people believe that the Trump presidency or the Trump campaign posed that similar kind of existential threat that they just renounced their rational faculties and put faith in those same institutions because of that same psychological dynamic. And that's why I think it's so important to really hammer home how important it is that we, you know, resolve to avoid that. Fear is their number one tool, and it causes us to lose our heads about things. You can look back at the Iraq war after 9-11, and you can look at Russiagate, and tell me that isn't happening right now with COVID. They've used fear once again to destroy our economy. Not intentionally, I imagine. I think it's just because they're inept. I don't really subscribe to the idea that it's an intentional destruction. I just think they're idiots and they're fairly powerless and without anybody that has any passion and determination sitting in the center seat at the White House, nothing's getting done. But there's lessons to be taken from even just recent history. I think it'd be interesting to go back and listen to the Russiagate coverage of this show. And now here we are at the end. We can see a lot of it was just based off complete, absolute bogus crap. It's time to circle the wagons, my friends. Let's build a community to support each other. Unfilter.show slash discord or go find the unfilter room on the jupiterbroadcasting.com matrix server. Let's stay in touch. Let's stay nearby. I think we could all do with a little support right now. Circle the wagons, get together and build a community. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you right back here pretty soon. facts. I'm going to give you the whole load today. You know the you know the thing. Let my wife come home. So, you know, let her come home, okay? You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. This is this is about what we can do together. <laughs>